hey, hey, good people. Welcome back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Hope you guys had a, uh, a nice long break as I did. Uh, Pete Davidson here as always. You there as always. Uh, we're going to dig into some fantasy football, do a little bit of rookie talk, a little bit of uh, free agency tidbits. Uh, so uh, let's get to it. I've been watching film now for over a month. Um, getting more intense about it every day, working towards getting my rookie boards ready for my leagues and so on and so forth. And um, <laughs> I, I sort of stumbled upon my microphone the other day in a drawer and I said, you know, I really need to get my studio set back up. Um, and here I am sitting in front of a microphone. First time in like 11 months I've actually been mic'd up. Um, sort of interesting. Feels good. Um, I hope you guys have uh, <laughs> missed these podcasts the way I've missed uh, doing them. Um, and really, we're going to be focusing on the rookie stuff um, over the next couple months because um, it's probably what I do best. And really, at this point of the, of the year, it's, it's, it's where the rubber is going to be meeting the road for most of us, you know, whether we're dynasty people or, you know, whether we're looking at um, making best ball investments or uh, getting our redraft board together um, or whatever. Um, so watching rookie film every day and... and and while this class is not like off the charts, I mean it's not. It's but it's not bad. I've seen worse classes than this without question. Um, and you know, as as we've been talking about on this podcast for the last several seasons, as I've been trying to move away from doing comprehensive work and more towards really trying to find the stress points where the rubber meets the road um, as far as valuation, targets of opportunity, you know you know, who are the players we can get cheap, who actually can make a big impact and that kind of thing. Um, I know most of the people who listen to this podcast are not, you know, wishy-washy dynasty players. You guys, uh, for the most part, are serious players. Um, and we're going to try to move towards those, you know, more serious topics. I'm not going to sit here and tell you stuff that most of you folks already know. Um, uh, now, for folks who maybe aren't uh, dotting your I's, crossing your T's for folks who aren't knee-deep into this rookie class uh, at this point, for folks who don't know more of the uh, actual uh, facts and details than I do at this point, maybe. Um, I, As you may have seen, uh, for those of you who uh, are still uh, using Twitter, <laughs> um, I uh, uh, in, in my... In one of the threads, and I'll throw this out there in a more of a classic tweet, uh, but fantasy points... Um, um, an old friend of the podcast who's been on several times in the past, Scott Barrett, one of the smarter um, guys out there in the fantasy community. Um, um, Scott's site, Fantasy Points, a lot of other people on the site, smart guys like Graham Barfield. Um, really, it's a, it's a solid site. But the reason I'm bringing it up now, um, their rookie profiles up on their site are free, and they're pretty comprehensive. And I have to say pretty darn good. So if you're looking to just get your feet wet, if you're looking to get the facts, um, it's a pretty good place to just go. It's all there. It's free. They've got uh, the guys ranked. I mean, I'm not down with their rankings. Um, they're not my rankings. They're their rankings. Um, but um, they're not too far off mine. So um, I think for just if you're looking to get up to date, get smart fast, uh, go to Fantasy Points, check out their um, rookie scouting guide. It's free, uh, you know. If, and if you're looking, if you're considering their site as a you know investment for your fantasy season, um, and again, I got friends there. I'm not trying to pimp their site. Um, I, I have used their site in the past. It's pretty damn good. Anyway, um, so as far as free rookie content that is fairly comprehensive, I haven't seen anything better for free than what you're getting at Fantasy Points right now. So 
Uh, I'll, I'll link that in a tweet at some point. Um, for folks who have seen similar stuff out there for free, please throw it into my feed. I will spread it around. As always, this is a free podcast. I'm really into trying to help people get as much good free content as they can. Um, you, but, but hey, by the same token, you guys know that I'm always saying an investment in uh, Silva's site to, watch, to read his weekly column is a smart investment. I think one week season jam to win site is a really good investment. There are some great pay sites out there. Um, and also, Fantasy Points is another one, probably worth the money you pay to these guys, you know, if you're liquid. But hey, let's face it, a lot of us uh, are feeling inflation, so you may not want to be dumping hundreds of dollars uh, for pay services. Anyway, just started up the podcast, and I'm already rambling. Um, so look, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to bring this, you know, podcast, you know, from from a simmer, you know, where it sort of is now to a boil, and, and, and things are going to culminate post-NFL draft with, with a breakdown Um and I'm actually going to do it this year. Last year, things sort of fell apart on me. Um, and last year, I was knee-deep into it, so it was harder to do. But the UDL, uh, the UDPL draft, um, which is the Podcasters League, a lot of really smart guys in this league, um, um, that draft is going to start like the second the NFL proper draft concludes. Uh, and I have like only a couple late picks on this draft because I actually really went out of character for myself, and I actually wheeled and dealed and pretty much traded away a draft class. Um I had my reasons for doing it. But anyway, the, the cool thing about that is I'm going to be able to look at this year's draft um, much more as an outsider than a participant. Obviously, I'll be talking about it during the podcast. If I see time, you know, if I, I may move up and make a splash. Who knows? I don't know if I really have... My team is fairly old. The players that are young are not necessarily players I'm looking to deal. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to make a splash move. But hey, that'll just make the podcast that much more exciting. But what's going to be cool about the podcast for the people who are listening is this is a bunch of guys who are into it. They're informed. They know what they're doing. Um, they're podcasters too. And it, it, this draft is going to happen before there's any data. So this is, if you're a person who's in a league that drafts early, this is going to be a real good way to get a feel for the board, how people are valuing it. It's a super flex league and a tight end premium league, so all the positions matter. Um, if you're looking to get an early feel for rookie drafts, I think this is going to be good stuff. And I'll probably be putting these podcasts out in a series, and they're going to be coming out right after the draft. I mean, like, immediately. Okay. Um, so, if you can, for folks who are still with us, and I know there aren't as many of you as you... Uh, uh, as many of you as there used to be, um, you know, we want to get the word out to all of our old listeners so we can, you know, get the band back together. So, um, for those folks who are still with me and who are listening right now, um, when you see this thing on Twitter, give us a share, would you? Give us a retweet. Let's, we'd like to, you know, I, I don't have any dreams of this podcast being like the biggest podcast in fantasy or anything like that. I would like to get our, our old people back, um, because we had such a good group. Anyway, um, so, you know, that, that's sort of the opener here. I'm going to hit some topical stuff that we've been talking about on Twitter, and then we're going to get into this rookie stuff, hoping this podcast isn't going to be much longer than, say, 30 or 40 minutes, um, really just trying to uh, <laughs> get my, my game and my groove back here. Um, so just to start things out, shout out to uh, Foster uh, Moreau, a good guy, a hard worker, a, a talented player. Who, Man, I mean, you, you really got a feel for the guy. This was his free agency, his potential to maybe find a bust-out situation for himself. And what does he find? Uh, he finds out he's, he's, he's got cancer, and he's going to be fighting that. So uh, Foster's a good dude. Uh, he's a worker. He's a fighter. And, um, you know, shout out to him, and hopefully he beats this thing. And at some point late this year, maybe in 24, uh, he can return to the game. So, uh, shout out to Foster Moreau. Um, now, just a couple topical things. Um, 
I keep hearing DJ Moore, uh, you know, that his arrow is pointed up, um, being traded away from Carolina. And I don't know. I, I feel like it wasn't such a great move for DJ Moore. Um, you know, it's <laughs> he's been traded away from a place that's now a target vacuum, so maybe it would have been better if he stayed. Um, he's going to a strong-armed quarterback, and a quarterback that I like, and, you know, anybody who knows me knows I like Justin Fields, but, you know, is Fields the guy, kind of guy who's going to support multiple receivers on a volume level? He now has multiple quality tight ends. Um, there's going to be probably three talented receivers to throw to, uh, and he's a quarterback who runs. So from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know. Um, I think DJ Moore is going to be a nice ad for the Bears. I think he'll have some highlight plays. I think, you know, DJ Moore's uh, reputation as a good football player will not be damaged, but his counting statistics, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is better. We don't know which quarterback's going to be in Carolina. For all we know, it's Stroud, and he may have a guy who actually is more of a counting stat quarterback than Fields. Moreover, there may be a target vacuum in Carolina. So I don't know. I don't know. This feels like more of a lateral move to me than a positive move for DJ Moore for fantasy purposes. Um, we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Just real quick, um, one thing I haven't seen the Jets pull yet, and the fact that they're able to talk to Aaron Rodgers, if I'm the Jets, I'm leaking information that I like a lot of these rookies, and I'm leaking information that you know we're not out on the concept of Lamar Jackson. I think there's a lot of ways the Jets could kick Green Bay into gear here. Um, and, you know, maybe it's something they're doing on a subtle level, not a public level. Um, but I still am of the belief that the Jets actually, if anybody has leverage here, um, other than Rodgers, um, I think it's the Jets. Um, and, you know, again, I think people underestimate the amount of freedom you have emotionally <laughs> and in a lot of other ways when you've stunk for decades. The Jets, are, you know, the Jets don't fear bad PR. They've never gotten anything but bad PR. If the Jets stink for another year or two, they stink for another year or two. That's what they've always done. So the Jets, you know, <laughs> the Jets' reputation is not about to be damaged. They've got, like, the worst reputation in the world. So, you know, I, I think people overestimate the amount of panic and fear on the Jets' side. Whereas on Green Bay's side, you're about to let go of a Hall of Fame quarterback and go with a young quarterback I like love, but there's risk in what Green Bay is doing. So, you know, if anybody's nervous in this little triad of the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, and Green Bay, I think it should be Green Bay. And if I were the Jets, I'd lean in on that a little bit. Okay, that was my fun part of the podcast. I'm a Jet fan. All right, now, I thought Dalton Schultz deal was sort of interesting. Nine mil, and it's not guaranteed, not all of it. He can make up to nine mil and only a one-year deal. To me, that says that the knee thing with him is something teams are concerned about. We'll have to see how that you know, plays out, but it sure looks like Dalton Schultz had to take a one-year deal to reprove what he's already proved, and to me, that says something's going on with the injury, so, you know, I have a little bit of a problem in the back of my mind with Dalton Schultz, just about the injury, because I love him as a, uh, a potential fantasy tight end, um, so he's a guy to maybe just sort of keep your ear to the, you know, to, you know, you know, to the, to the ground, and, and, you know, do we hear anything about that, um, I'm not saying I would be looking to sell Dalton Schultz, but um, I really am surprised that that was just like a one-year deal. Um, let's also talk about the two sort of tamales that are out there in free agency, Hopkins and Beckham. Obviously not necessarily the same level of investment from teams looking to get these guys, but these sort of seem like the two guys where when they fall other things are going to start to happen, and, and we're going to have a feel for which teams are going to be wide receiver needy on draft day and stuff like that. So let's keep our eyes on um, 
on Nuke Hopkins and Odell Beckham. Um, I think both of these guys, um, you know, I think if you own these guys in Dynasty, you're pretty happy right now because I think both of them are controlling their destiny. They should be able to go to places where they like the situation. Um, granted, Hopkins going to the Patriots, you know, there's some potential problems there, but we've seen the Patriots turn high-end talents into high-volume weapons. So there's also a lot of potential good for New Copkins if he goes to the Patriots. Obviously, we'll just evaluate these landing spots as they pop up. Um, I also threw a a poll out there about TJ Hawkinson a week or so ago, um, and I thought the results, you know, were, you know, somewhat interesting. Um, basically, people were with me that, you know, Hopkins is... Uh, excuse me, TJ Hawkinson really is the guy um, who is your t uh, tight end two. Now, when I say that, I mean, who are you going to value as your tight end two on draft day? Obviously, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that are going to shake out, injuries and stuff, who ends up as the tight end two. But who's the guy who we're drafting as the tight end two? Certainly, it seems to be Hawkinson. And I mean, hey, <laughs> when we look at it, we, you know, obviously, anybody who's listening to this pod, you know I like Hawkinson as a talent, but... You know, this is a guy who there's going to be a coverage vacuum. That that you know, that's what Justin Jefferson does. He demands constant doubles, sometimes even more than double teams. This is going to be phenomenal for the tight end who plays with him. Additionally, there is no dominant second receiver weapon, so the targets just from a you know, just from a standpoint of available targets, Hawkinson's in a good space. But from a coverage perspective, he's also in a good space and he's got an accurate, decent timing quarterback who does not run. So when you've got, you know, a throw only QB you know, logistically, this guy's becoming like the anti-Kittle, where Kittle is this incredibly talented player. We wish he would run more routes. Hawkinson is going to be a route monster and a target monster on a percentage basis. So unless he fails or unless Kirk Cousins unlearns how to throw a football, you know, it's really hard to see TJ Hawkinson failing this year, barring injury. So, you know, really, really, I mean, just things look really good for Hawkinson. If for some reason you're in a tight end premium and the guy with him is floating him out there, man, <laughs> I, you know, he's the tight end two for draft purposes. Would not shock me one bit if he was the tight end one at the end of the year, just because, especially in PPR, because he's just going to be targeted so frequently. His tight end targets are going to look like wide receiver targets, not tight end targets. Um, so really high on Hawkinson this year just logistically. Um, so um, another poll that I did, and we'll just hit this because something happened with it yesterday. Um, I was sort of liking Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I, you know, I still am. We'll have to sort of see uh, what the cost is and, and, and what the word out of Cleveland is. And, and in redraft leagues, you know, we'll, I think camp buzz is going to matter quite a bit there. Um, and I think this had a, I, I think the, the the acquisition of Elijah Moore for the Browns had a lot to do with you know their second round pick being a bust last year, um, you know versus uh, you know uh, them being down on Donovan Peoples Jones, who I think is purely the outside weapon on that team. Um, the other receivers on the on that team, you know, guys like Amari and now. Um, with Elijah Moore, these guys have uh, positional flexibility, um, so. You know, we'll have to sort of see how this shakes out, but I think it, it looks to me like you'll have, you know, Cooper outside, uh, DPJ outside, and then you assume um, that Elijah Moore probably win a lot of slot duty. Um, I was a little bummed out about this because will Elijah Moore, if he plays well, take targets away from Injoku? It's possible. Um, 
but uh, when we when we talked about this poll, we sort of came in with Peoples Jones being a good late second, early third. I don't know. Maybe his value goes a shade down with this. Then again, he's a big play receiver. If this creates a downhill element for that offense, if it makes the offense click more, then they're going to have more big plays. Uh, you've got a strong arm, mobile quarterback. In the end, maybe the Elijah Moore thing helps Peoples Jones, but anytime you add a guy who's going to bring targets, you want to be cognizant of that. So a little bit softer on the, the idea of landing Peoples Jones in a rookie draft this year. Um, okay, anything else we want to hit before we get to these rookies? Now let's 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 jump into some rookies because we're already getting near twenty minutes here. Always talk more than I think I'm going to talk. Um, so for these rookies, I think let's first let's let's jump into the quarterbacks first. So the first guy I want to talk about is C.J. Stroud. Um, we're not going through these guys in order. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and commit to an order yet. I don't know what the draft capital is going to be, the landing spots are, and I'm still going to be watching a lot more film on these guys. Um, but I have watched enough to have some pretty strong opinions. Um, C.J. Stroud, he, he, look, he's a wonderful player from a talent arm uh, perspective. I mean, I was hoping he might be, you know, just a shade uh, bigger uh, at the combine. He came in and weighed in uh, at 214. I, I, don't, I don't know. I was hoping for just a shade bigger. Um, but he's big enough, 6'3". He's tall enough. Um, the dude throws the heck out of the football. I mean, he really does. Um, I mean, really, I mean, he's another one. If you go by the highlight reels in some of these QBs, you, you know, um, you're going to think they're gods because, I mean, Stroud's got some really good throws on film. Um, the thing with Stroud that I just want to keep working on, and I'm going to watch all the film I can find on him, you know, I want to dig harder. I want to determine how he's going to react to playing more of a normal hand because that's really the thing with him. If you just go by what you're watching at OSU, he's just kicking ass all the time. Um, so it's really the same question we have with Justin Fields and, and, and other guys from, from, from OSU, like, uh, Cardell Jones, Dwayne Haskins, people like that, um, you know, what's going to happen when their margins change? Because they're going to. Um, Bryce Young, same kind of thing. We'll get to that in a second. So, you know, what's going to happen to C.J. Stroud when the windows get smaller, when the pocket gets uglier? Um, you know, there could be a growth period there, even though everybody's saying he's so advanced, and in a lot of ways he is. You know, and he's not a guy who leans on his athleticism as hard as some of these other quarterbacks. So Stroud's a guy where it, you know, the arm is really what's going to determine what he does as a pro, how good he is. Uh, and, he, you know, there may be a growth period. Additionally, what if he doesn't have anybody to throw to? This is a guy who's been throwing. I mean, you almost can't make this this shit up, man. I mean, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Harrison Jr., you know, Smith and Jigba. I mean, this, this guy's throwing two studs, okay? And he's got great protection. Now, no, he doesn't do anything that scares me about that like he, when he has it he looks good when, when like when someone plays an easy opponent you don't knock them for it you just want to make sure they knock the shit out of the easy opponents right and he does that so it, it, on first glance we don't have a problem here i'm just trying to assess in my mind what are the risk factors when he has to play from even footing and i, I like his chances but i think that's where the risk factors are 
for me. And if he goes to a team that is not going to take good care of him, that is not going to give him people to throw to, that's not going to give him time to throw, that's going to have a crappy scheme and bad, bad play design, that's going to hurt his 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 growth and it's going to hurt the initial output again because i think this guy may have to do it more with his arm just because of the way he thinks because of the way he plays the game so stroud's a guy i'm going to be doing more work on obviously just from an, an archetype standpoint this guy's got all kinds of stuff going for him from him his film on its face is strong and man he throws the ball i love the way he throws the ball um so cj stroud looks like maybe he's the number one overall pick certainly can't knock a team uh, for wanting that is this the kind of class where I would move up and pay a premium to get to Stroud over these other guys? Eh, I don't know. And hey, we don't know that they moved up for Stroud yet. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens on draft day. Um, but that's where I'm at on Stroud now. Like him a ton. Um, and really, there's, there's four guys we're going to talk about here. There's, there's, there's four quarterbacks that I've got that are, that are squarely on my board. So like, these are guys I would draft even in single QB leagues. Okay. Um, I'm, Watching more film, I may push a fifth or sixth QB up into the list, but for now I've got four guys who I know I'm targeting. Okay, next guy, again, not going in order just yet, but next guy is Bryce Young out of Bama. Look, this guy's a wonderful player to watch. I, I love the advanced footwork. You know, you watch him step up in the pocket. It's a thing of beauty. I, I constantly talk about foot positioning when it comes to footwork of quarterbacks. It, it has so much to do with how well they're going to spray the football and how, particularly throwing to their left for right-handed quarterbacks. Uh, Bryce Young's got a really good footwork. It's embedded. Um, watch that back right foot. He knows how to keep his throwing window wide open. Um, now, the thing with Bryce, you know, he can't control where he gets drafted. So we're back to what we were talking about with Stroud. You know, we worry about this kid going from a, a Cadillac platform, great coaching, great offensive line, open players, great running game to support everything. You know, this is a kid who had it all. Um, now, did he do a lot with it? Absolutely. Were we impressed with what he did working from a great platform? Yes, we like this guy. But we do have to worry about how a sub-200 pound quarterback, I know he weighed more than that at the draft, but who are we kidding? This guy probably drank... 20 glasses of water right before he jumped on the scale. This guy's probably a little under 200 pounds. So you've got a height concern, but for me, the weight concern is maybe more. Um, now, from the, the, where, where the height becomes a factor is, you know, seeing the game. Um, and I understand that, you know, a lot of people want to discount quarterback height as if it doesn't matter. You know, look, we don't discount smaller quarterbacks because we think game is more important than anything, but height does matter. Being tall helps you see the field. There's just no way around that. If you think I'm wrong, go watch film of Drew Brees. Look at how hard he works to get sight windows to make his throws. Small quarterbacks have to work extra hard. They have to be smarter. They have to work harder to see the field. They need teams that help them. Uh, there's ways to space the linemen. You do deeper drops. You do rollouts. There are all kinds of things you can do to help a small quarterback. And we want these small quarterbacks to go to teams who are going to do those things. Um, so, you know, the other day I heard, I mean, you just, you can't, you don't want to write guys off for being small. You don't want to pretend like it doesn't matter either, okay? So, I mean, I heard a person, I'm not going to name names, but a person who's very smart, who knows a ton about football, and basically saying, you know, hey, the linemen are in a crouch, seeing over the line isn't as hard as people think, and look, yeah, <laughs> the bend and the crouch matters, but the quarterback isn't standing straight up like the Statue of Liberty either, okay? And the thing we want to remember is, 
the, you know, they're wearing helmets, okay? So the players in front of you, it's the height of the helmet. Now, your eyes don't move up when you put your gear on, but what you need to see over does. Helmets make people even taller. The linemen in the NFL are taller overall. Now, granted, Young comes from Bama. Stroud comes from Ohio State. Stroud's got the height, so it doesn't matter. But So Bryce has been playing behind a big line. That helps a little. But in the NFL, the linemen get taller the, on both ends, okay? So, you know... Is Bryce Young going to struggle to locate guys over the middle the way Kyler Murray has? It's possible that he will, and it's not his fault. It's a vision thing, and you need your your OC and the people who are designing the plays. You need them to help you, okay? So if Bryce Young goes to a team where we like the protection, and he goes to a team where we like the brain trust, and if he goes to a team where we know they're going to do what the Bills did for Josh Allen, okay? They're going to bring in guys who get open. You know, the, the, the Bills, his rookie year, they assessed, and then immediately, Allen's second year, they started adding guys every year that were going to open up the field for him. Now, these quarterbacks need that same thing. We talk about talent and development, right? And this goes for everybody in every class, right? You know, you, you don't look at Josh Allen and go, hey, he's big, he's strong, you know, he was this amazing prospect and it worked and that's all we're going to look at. No, it's important to remember that Josh Allen's had help. He's had really good coaching and the GM has taken care of him. Similarly, go over to Pat Mahomes. Now, everybody knows I love Pat Mahomes. Everybody loves Pat Mahomes. He's a mega talented quarterback, but he's been taken good care of. He got drafted by a quality organization with a quality head coach who brought him along slowly, didn't throw him out there his rookie year. He got to watch Alex Smith. He got to play with Tyree Kill, Travis, Travis Kelsey. So this guy's had a professional upbringing. He's had a platform around him that works, right? So it's going to be easy to judge some of these QBs harshly in a couple of years and say they flopped, but we have to understand, like, let's... Oh, you know, here's a good example. Let's go back to Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. For those who remembered my podcasts on these guys pre-draft, I was so split on these guys. I loved both of them a ton for different reasons, okay? But once the chips came down and once we realized Zach Wilson was headed for the Jets and then once he ultimately became a Jet, I mean, he just tumbled down my board. It had nothing to do with him. And it had a lot to do with the Jets. I knew they'd play him too soon. I knew they wouldn't get him there, the kind of surrounding talent you want to have. I knew they wouldn't protect him. I knew they wouldn't design the offense for him, but for them, they would do Jet things. And they did. Uh, you know, does, does Zach Wilson have to own a lot of what's going wrong with this game? Of course he does. But he went to a team that didn't set him up for success. So we're not going to know what his potential was because he was a freaking Jet. Okay? Now... Fields, on the other hand, went to the Bears, also a mediocre landing spot. What's the difference? Huge side difference, size difference, huge athleticism difference. And not to mention, Fields has the bigger arm. Now, Fields, we needed him to grind down that release point to find some things. He's getting better. He's going to continue to get better. But what we learn with guys like Fields is when you are that physically dominant, you are going to have time for the rest of your game to catch up. Okay, um, I mean, like just going back to Fields just for a second. I remember, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to name any names here, but just to sort of underscore, you know, what, let me get to, I'll get to this later. Let's just, let's, I'm sorry, let's finish with 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 Bryce Young. Um, the thing we just have to understand with Young is he's going to be the lightest QB that's ever been drafted in the first round, assuming he is. And I mean, that doesn't seem like much of an assumption at this point. 
So with his elevated, you know, weight at the combine, you know, this is where we need to maintain sobriety. This guy could be playing between 190 and 195 for all we know. Um, so both things can be true things. He can be a baller who could light up the league and he could get destroyed by playing for the wrong team. This is a reality that exists with Bryce Young that doesn't so much exist with some of these other guys. Okay, So do we love him? Yeah. Do we have a very open mind to what his fantasy value is going to be? Yeah. Could he be the next great thing? Sure. Are there some problems that could pop up that get exacerbated by landing spot? Yeah, there are. Okay. Next guy up. And again, we're not going in order. Will Levis, Kentucky. He, he makes the cut. He's just got too much arm talent, too much size, too much mobility for me not to take him extremely seriously. This is, I mean, the size, mobility, arm combo with this guy at times is breathtaking. But there's some, like, Blake Bortles to this guy in that, you know, if you go by the highlight reel, he looks like the next coming. Like, he could just be big time. And maybe he will be. Okay, but if you dig deeper, you know, we've got some concerns, not necessarily fatal flaws, but concerns. You know, for me, the big concern is the lower body uh, with Levis. And again, I've probably watched about an hour's worth of film on this guy. I'm, I'm probably 20, 30 percent into what I'm going to do on this guy. So I'm going to end up with probably a firmer opinion when all is said and done. But the lower body, Bortles actually is the name. He reminded me. It's it's not as bad as Bortles. Bortles, you know, Bortles did things with the lower body. I didn't know the human beings could do. But but Will Levis needs to get his upper and lower body in sync. And it's not so much the upper body. For me, the upper body concerns usually are related to his body being out of sync because his feet are behind. That that's my personal. That's what I'm seeing with this guy. Um, and too often, you know, when he's throwing the ball, you see the hips being sort of dragged through, and that causes the ball to do all kinds of weird things. So you see some weird throws from this guy. I think it's related to the lower body. I think good coaching can clean it up pretty easily. Doesn't mean he's going to get it. Doesn't mean he's the kind of guy who's going to do the work, although he's a pretty smart kid, pretty academically inclined. So, you know, to me, Levis has a ton of upside. Looks like a mid-first rounder to me with plenty of ceiling. Um, probably falls into the fourth spot in this class, but that's not anything to do with him so much as it's a strong class with the top four. Um, but again, lower body's a concern. Um, if he can get that clean, I think he's got a ton of potential. Um, and the weird thing with him is sometimes it's worse when he has time. Uh, he seems to be one of these guys where when things are clean, his heart rate drops too far and his feet stop sometimes. When he gets forced into motion, sometimes it cleans his mechanics up, which is interesting. Um, so, you know, again, this is my, my take on him. I may get into some of these individual game breakdowns and see some more things, good and bad. Um, but the one thing I'm surprised with Levis, and maybe, again, it has to do with this being a strong top-end class, but I feel like this guy should have more buzz. I mean, he's, you know, the the upside potential of this guy is pretty damn high. Um, anyway, so now let's let's get to the the last guy on the list. And again, we're already past a half hour here. As usual, I'm going long. Um, so I was talking about um, something I heard from one of the dynasty guys I respect the most of all the people I play against. I'm not naming names because I'm not looking to make anybody look bad here, but. Early last year, this guy said, straight up, Justin Fields can't play. We were talking about, like, is this the time to go after Fields? His value's dipping. 
And it, the reason I'm quoting him is because this was emblematic of a lot of things I was hearing. Fields can't play. He can't play. He's terrible. And, you know, you heard this people saying the same thing about Josh Allen early in his career. You have to be careful writing off these man-child quarterbacks because they have so much raw ability. They have so much strength and, you know, speed relative to size and strength. Um, so we're getting into Anthony Richardson here at Florida. And, you know, he, to me, is in that Justin Fields, Josh Allen bucket where he is so has so much natural strength, so much size. Obviously, you cannot teach size. And, he's, and like Justin Fields, he's got raw speed, like just, you know, natural... God-given speed. So, you know, if you're a defense, I mean, this guy is a problem. <laughs> I don't even, there's just no way to put it. He's an absolute problem. Now, may he be his own worst enemy and not develop and he doesn't turn into a great traditional quarterback? Yeah, that's possible. We don't know how guys are going to be developed. Um, you know, again, this guy's going to be platform sensitive just like anybody else. God forbid he goes to a team that doesn't want him to run or something like that. Okay, I mean, you know, a bad NFL organization can screw up almost anything, all right? But, you know, when you look at Richardson, you, you have to understand the speed of the NFL is not going to shock this kid. He's big and fast. His, he's going to shock the NFL as much as the NFL shocks him. He, he played against the best in college, and, and, and you know... The SEC is a place that's going to expose all the flaws that you have. So we, we can see where this guy is not ahead of the game, where he's behind the game. Obviously, he's had a limited number of college starts. He needs to learn to see the field better. He's going to need some, you know, as I like to say, time in the sim. Even better than time in the sim is time actually under center. So, yeah, this guy very likely to have a Fields, Josh Allen kind of growth curve where... His rookie year, assuming he's playing, things might not look as good as they're going to look down the line. But, you know, as I said on Twitter the other day, raw just isn't the word I would use to define this player. I, you know, I, I've probably watched about half of the amount of film I'm going to watch. So I'm going to continue to, you know, drill down and, 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 and try to make my take more specific. But I'm watching the film. And there are certain things that just sort of keep happening and they get your attention. His eyes do not get knocked down the way I would have expected a inexperienced mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks tend to drop their eyes and take off a lot when things get ugly. Anthony Richardson is looking downfield. He is not watching the rush. And that has really the potential for growth. When you've already got that skill and you're an inexperienced college quarterback... That caught me right off the bat. Like, that's good. You know, the eyes being up. The throwing motion to me is fairly natural and fairly consistent. Would would we like to maybe shorten it up just a touch? Sure. Would we like to make it perfectly consistent? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's a young quarterback, okay? But the throwing motion is pretty natural. And, you know, the ball comes off his fingertips. He spins it pretty good. Um, you know, now the feet... I'm watching, I'm watching, and, you know, and eventually it started to hit me. I'm like, why am I not being drawn to the feet? Normally, college quarterbacks, eventually their feet get my attention because they're doing stuff that upset me. Not so much with Richardson. I mean, 
Are there tweaks? Sure, but he's working hard. He's got active feet. He understands that his platform matters and he's constantly working to get his platform where it needs to be. He's closer to Aaron Rodgers than Blake Bortles, okay? So, granted, that's a wide delta. I get it. But there are things this kid is doing that indicate to me very strongly that he has been well coached, not just at Florida, but before he got there. So, and this kid comes out of Gainesville, so there's every reason that that may be the case. Um, so yeah, he needs more starts. Yes, he is a guy there's going to be a growth factor. Yes, assuming he's playing early, this is a guy we're going to watch the sausage being made, and that's always a short-term turnoff. You could play the long game with him. Don't draft him and go after him early in his career. If his, you know, the team that, that has him in your league gets a little shaky, maybe there will be buying opportunities. But unless this guy shoots to the top of the draft board, unless he ends up being the guy that you have to trade up and give up multiples to get, I don't think the cost of acquisition is going to be that crazy with Anthony Richardson. We're going to have to let the next month or so play out. But, you know, you know, quick story and, you know, humble brag, pat myself on the back. But, I mean, like, I got Josh Allen for second-round draft pick. Now, I think because of the Josh Allen arc and because of the Justin Fields arc, we're not going to get this player that cheap. But there is a good chance he will be today's version of that price tag. So if, if you're in a 2QB draft and Anthony Richardson is, like, third or fourth QB going off the board, oh, man, I mean... The upside for your fantasy team is ridiculous, right? Um, now, I was um, uh, chatting yesterday on Twitter with uh, with a gent named Dirk Diggler or something like that. Um, seems like a decent guy. Um, and, you know, we were just going back and forth. And, you know, we were getting caught up really in semantics about what Raw is and stuff like that. Um, and um, uh, Diggler threw out that, you know, this guy's high ceiling, low floor. Okay. Um, I don't agree. I think he's high ceiling, strong floor. Um, now, what do we mean by floor? Do I mean he has a strong floor six years from now? I don't know. He might play himself out of the league. Who knows? But a player like Richardson, his floor is tied to his feet, right? I mean, even if this guy struggles with his arm early in his career, the feet should give us a really strong fantasy floor. So, you know, I think, you know, when you look at Lamar Jackson, who needed to grow as a passer, and look at, you know, Josh Allen needed to grow as a passer, didn't hurt their fantasy performance that much. So, um, you know, to me, this guy's got a fantasy floor. Um, now, obviously, you know, we do need to watch the next month. We need to watch draft day. Where he goes is going to matter. The amount of draft capital he has is going to matter. We're going to have more information when we actually pull the trigger on this player. But to me, I think this guy's got a, a chance to be the first player taken in the draft. I don't, I, you know, I think it's less than 50% because they seem, you know, pretty dialed in on Stroud. There are other quarterbacks to fall in love with in this draft. So who knows what NFL teams are going to do? Are they going to be risk averse? and take the guys who feel like a more sure thing on an NFL level? Or are they going to go for the brass ring? I mean, it really depends on their organizational philosophy. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing I just want to impress upon us, and again, this is for fantasy, it's really easy to lose sight of the big picture with players like Richardson, to get caught up in the weeds and the smaller details, when it's the big obvious stuff that's really going to own the day, okay? The, the rushing stats he's going to be able to push up, the fact 
put up. The fact that the man is enormous, okay? You, you know, I mean, I'm, again, I'm going to endeavor to drill down on the risks, but I am not likely to be knocked off my stance with this player because of that big picture. Normally, you need to get to the top of a rookie draft to get a player who could be a long-term league winner. That may not be the case with this guy. He could be a wonderful target of opportunity for us as long as keep, people keep talking about his downside. So, you know, so let's hope... Um, you know, that that's the case. Uh, but, you know, the thing to understand with Richardson is that if he hits, it's massive. And even if he doesn't hit, hit he could still be pretty damn good for fantasy. All right. Um, I, I think when all is said and done in Superflex, he's going to be the top guy on my board this year. That's where, that's where I think things are going. Obviously, I reserve the right to change my mind. Okay, so that's sort of where I'm at with quarterbacks right now. We're going to continue to refine it. We're going to maybe add another quarterback or two to the list for Superflex as time goes on. Um, in future podcasts, obviously, we're going to be talking about running backs. There's a lot to talk about with these running backs. I, my love at the running back position is definitely not limited uh, to the top spot. Um, now, I, I talked a little bit on Twitter. We're going to wrap this podcast up in the next couple of minutes. But I was talking um, about Jackson Smith and Jigba on Twitter the other day. So let's just get into him a little bit. It's funny, I was reading this thing, I was looking for information on his injury, uh, hamstring, I don't think the injury is, may not be meaningful in any way, when all is said and done, um, but it's sort of funny how these guys get judged, uh, you know, I, this is, I'm going to quote Todd McShay, who's absolutely not a person I listen to a whole lot, not one of my favorite uh, evaluators, if you will, but... This is a quote from him. There are a lot of reports from NFL scouts I've talked to who said he's healthy enough to play. Man, I mean, that's hearsay. Anyway, he's protecting himself for the draft. So what, as far as I'm concerned? Sorry, that's my, that's my comment. I've got news for every prospect out there. NFL teams know. They know what you had for lunch last Thursday. They're going to know whether you're healthy or not. And if you're healthy enough to play, you need to be out there with your teammates and play. You know, that's a bunch of crap. He goes on to say, I'm not saying it's going to hurt his draft stock. I mean, we saw Derek Stingley last year. Well, if it's not going to hurt his draft stock, what the heck are you saying? Then he goes on to say that it could hurt his draft stock. You know, look, anybody who's judging a college player who's already established that he's an NFL player for not playing college football can suck it. I really don't want to hear it. Shut up, Todd McShay. Just go suck it. You know what? You have established what your career is. These guys are you know, they're throwing their gauntlets down. Everything they've worked for, they're about to, you know, put it in motion. No way would I go play a college football game because I felt like I owed something to anybody. These people are their own professional companies, for, for crying out loud. So, you know, the idea that NFL teams are going to judge Jackson Smith and Jigba for not playing, I think is ridiculous. They're out for themselves, just like he is. This guy's going to go high. He may be the first receiver taken. So, I, you know, anyway. All right, I'm off my soapbox. But stop judging these guys for doing what's right for themselves. Um, now, a couple things about this guy. First of all, I like him a lot. Second of all, I don't think he's slot only. I really don't. So let's just hit that stuff early. Um... When I watch this player play, again, what I, the, the thing that jumps out at me, and we're talking about Jackson Smith, the Jigba out of OSU, is the lack of wasted motion and efficiency. And that's not just a comment on style. When you don't waste motion, you get to where you're going quicker. Okay? When you don't overcut, that's, that unwasted motion gives you 
extra time, okay? This guy has good vision. He's not out there to show off. He's there to beat the guy in front of him. He is all business, and I, I admit it. I really like this guy, and it has nothing to do with, like, personal nothing. I'm not an OSU fan or anything like that. I like the way this guy plays. There are elements of Antonio Brown in his game. There are elements of Cooper Cup in his game. There are elements of Heinz Ward in his game. There are elements of Jarvis Landry. I don't think he is analogous directly to any of those four players, but some of the positives that we've seen from those players over the years show up on this guy's film. He's constantly ahead of the defense. Again, when you don't waste motion, when you don't play out of control, it's really easy to know where the football is, to understand your relationship to the defense, not just your particular defender, but what's set up once you beat him, right? This guy is visually a step ahead and route-wise, he tends to be a step ahead. So when it comes to playing the football, he's ahead of the defense. And then he transitions the fact that he's ahead to beating the first defender. He has excellent vision on the first defender, and then he's direct. I, I love the way this guy plays football. I, I really do. Now, is he going to be an injury guy? Maybe, because, you know, he missed a lot of time. I think if we look at the tea leaves, a lot of that was simply taking care of himself. And again, I'm just not going to judge the player for that. Um, he ran well at his pro day. Um, now, people are taking those pro day times and they're comparing them to combine times. It's not a good thing to do. It's not fair to the other athletes who train for everything at once, where this guy gets to go do some drills at the combine and then does his speed a month later, and then we combine it like it all happened on the same day. You shouldn't do that, okay? Having said that, this guy's film shows me he's fast enough. He's not a burner. He's plenty fast. For him, it's much more about the agility and the way he is sudden out of breaks. I think people tend to want to see see speed in breaks, but this guy, he beats you with efficiency out of his breaks, okay? It's the fact that he is so efficient that he is causing his defenders to take longer steps. When you watch this guy come out of a break, there's almost always a gain of separation. And this guy's not playing against bum teams, he's playing against good competition. So I, everything I see on Jackson Smith and Jigba's film is stuff that plays on Sunday, all right? Um, so that's, a, that's about it. I just wanted to get that out there. I really enjoyed watching his film. We're already over 40 minutes, as usual. Podcasts went a little long. I'm not sure exactly when the next podcast is going to be. My kids are home this week, so uh, probably not going to see me until next week. At some point, these things are going to start popping up every two or three days as I work through film. Um, and uh, once again, I just want to say to those folks who are already back, uh, it's nice to have you back. Thanks for listening. Um, and please, 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 Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you like about the pod. Let me know what you want more of. If there's anything that's bad, I'm interested in that too. Uh, and please, like I uh, said earlier, we're looking to get the, the band back together. So please share this podcast. Let people know we're, we're doing this stuff again. Anyway, uh, until next time, onward, upward. Thanks for listening to the Roadbomb Podcast. Giddy up. Daydream. I fell asleep amid the flowers. For a couple of hours On a beautiful day Daydreamed I dream of you amid the flowers For a couple of hours Such a beautiful day Ah, dreaming that it came in your baby
the flowers for a couple of hours on a beautiful day. Daydreams, I dream of you amid the flowers for a couple of hours. Such a beautiful day. 